Welcome to Reiki Cafe Radio, where your host, Christine Renee and Izzy Wells. We come together with more than 25 years of experience in Reiki, meditation, chakra wisdom, clairvoyant techniques, and holistic healing. We are passionate about helping individuals release resistance, step into their authentic selves, and align their lives with the truth of who they are. Reiki Cafe Radio is your choice for vibrant Reiki conversations, meditation experiences, and holistic wellness. This is your space for a deeper look into the ancient wisdom through modern eyes. So grab your tea or coffee and join us as we sip our way through this week's episode. Today's conversation topic is all about spirit teams. What the heck does that mean? What do they look like? How can you contact them? How can you develop relationships with them? All of that fun, juicy stuff. So, so welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening along with us. Make sure you have your coffee, your tea, your um, beautiful drinks, your kombucha, whatever it may be, um, <laughs> and sip along as we have this conversation. And I'm joined um, with Izzy. So welcome back to our coffee conversations. Yes, yes, yes. Hello, hello. So excited for this one. This is something that I think we've been brewing behind the scenes for a really long time. And I think it's so interesting because everybody's probably heard about your spirit guides and your power animals and your guardian angels. And But as soon as you say spirit team, people are like, huh? There's like this, what's that? <laughs> like everybody wants to know, everybody wants to be connected, but there's almost this like veil of mystery around it. So I'm really excited to kind of pull that back today and hopefully introduce some people to the members of their, their spirit team. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm like, where to start? Let's just start with the basics. Like what is a spirit guide? What is a power animal? What, what makes up a full spirit team? Because there are so many different types of guides. And so it's to not constrict to like, it has to look like a guardian angel and it has to look like this. I think the biggest thing when it comes to your spirit team is to be open and flexible with how they show up. Cause it might not look like what your logical mind thinks it should be. And it might not come to like a guardian angel might not look like what we've seen in Hollywood cartoons or whatever, right? Like they don't necessarily look like that. They look like how it needs to show up for you. So you are most comfortable, right? So I feel like we have a primary spirit guide and that can be a guardian angel. And then we have a primary power animal. And so we have these two that have been with us since birth and they both have very specific um, reasons to be with us. So our power animals They say in the shamanic studies that the power animal comes when a baby first cries because the power animals, the animal species is the strongest of the species because when they're born, they're not weak like human babies are. And so the cry calls out to the spirit world for the power animal to come to help give it strength and protect it. Okay. So that's like what's underneath of like, when do these power animals show up? The reason why we go through childhood, having our beautiful stuffed animals and like love to play with all of our little animal figurines is because our power animals are with us. And some of us, it's known right away what our power animals is. Like when my daughter, um, it was very clear that she had a bunny as her power animal when she was a child. And it was so funny because 
throughout her whole like preschool type experience, um, like her Waldorf teacher would make her a crown and what was on it? A little brown rabbit. And then she would get like gifts. Everything had little bunnies on them. Not, and so it was really funny. Like they just showed up all around her all the time. And she still calls to the bunny, but now the bunny like lives in the moon because that's in Eastern philosophy. The bunny lives in the moon. And so if you look at the moon, instead of seeing the, the, the man, the face in the moon, there's a bunny in the moon and from Eastern philosophy. So she's like, well, the bunny's hanging out with the moon right now. I'm like, the bunny can still come and tuck you into bed. <laughs> like, so we have these conversations around our power animals and growing up. And they're, they feel more tangible because they can imagine what animals and power animals look like versus when we say call upon our spirit guides or guardian angels, she's kids are like, I don't know what that's supposed to be. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I think for me, I love kind of looking at that difference between power animals and spirit guides too, especially from a kid's perspective, because when I think about power animals, a lot of times what comes up for me is kind of, like you said, it's, it's a denser, more tangible energy. They're very much here. I feel for protection and safety and support. They're like your pillars of support, that foundation of your spirit team. And so they're really there to lift you up, to bring you the gifts or knowledge or support or whatever it is that you need at that base level. Like if you're, if you're in the chakras, they're very much that root chakra energy. And so they are with us from birth and they do have that affinity for us from our first cry. And then of course we have our primary, who is that first cry. He comes in, he or she, they insert word here, but then you also have your supportings that come along at different phases of your life and help you with different things that you need at the time, whether that's emotional support or a feeling of safety, or you need to feel like you have personal power, whatever it is for you, these different animals kind of fluctuate because of course our energy is going to fluctuate. But when you look at it from a child's perspective, they're very much children are, are wide open to the spirit realm. They have that connection. They have this awareness But to be able to put that awareness into an actual figure or a tangible image, it's a lot easier for them to see things that are familiar, like animals. And because children are so open and they have such purity in their subconscious mind when they're so young, they automatically have an affinity for animals, whether that's spiritual animals or animals in the 3D reality. Like you see those really cute YouTube videos of babies all curled up with kittens and things like this, because there's just this natural affinity there. And so for kids, it's easy to kind of connect with their power animal and lean on them for support, for comfort, for safety, all of these things. Whereas your spirit guides, I feel are there more for gathering information and wisdom and that like higher insights. So it's, it's very much like power animals are in that root chakra, denser, more foundational energy. And your spirit guides are more in that crown chakra, bigger picture, higher wisdom, energetically, divinely connected, big picture, wouldn't you say? Yes, 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 yes. Like, I feel like power animals are there for power and protection and like strength. And, and that's really their, their source of energy. Whereas our spirit guides you know, our primary spirit guide or, and, or guardian angel that really, I feel like their sole purpose is to hold you accountable to your, your soul agreement and your soul agreement didn't have all these 
fun and joyful, exciting things on it. Typically, usually it's like lessons to be learned. And oftentimes those lessons aren't easy ones. So I remember having a client and this is when I really discovered this information. I was talking to a guardian angel. It was, I was had a, a client and he had come in numerous times and he was an amputee. He lost his arm in a, um, I think it was like a manufacturing warehouse type accident. And I was, and it had led to a life of then um, bullying and then addiction and alcoholism. And it, that led him on that path after the accident and really had some issues around his relationships with women. And so during one of our sessions, so here I am, I'm doing Reiki and this guide shows up and I'm like, what wisdom do you have to tell me? And he was like, well, I want to explain what, as the guardian angel, my hardest job is I pushed him into the machinery that took his arm because it was part of his soul contract. And then it was my job to let, make him survive. And so as the guardian angel, this, he's like, our jobs are very difficult because we have to push you in the circumstance that will hold you to your soul agreements and then make sure that you survive throughout the lesson (laughs) so that you learn it. Right. So this isn't like easy stuff. And I think when most people think about guardian angels, they're like the person who's going to protect me from all the drama in my life. And I'm like, no, no, no. They actually brought you to it. They brought you to the thing that you needed to learn and they will give it to you over and over and over again until you learn it because that's their job is to make sure you learn the lessons of your soul agreement. And so that's like, like, as you said, it's very crown chakra, big point of view, learning your soul lessons is our job of our primary spirit guide or guardian angel. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of times people hear that and they're like, but, but they're angels. They're supposed to only do, you know, good things. They're supposed to be supportive. And again, it comes back to, especially this is something we learn as Reiki practitioners is that sometimes good isn't what our mind categorizes as good. There's not that kind of black and white duality in the spiritual realm. Sometimes that learning has to happen. And unfortunately, sometimes that has to happen with pain or wounding or trauma, because that's how we we grow and we become opened. You know, there's that, that Eastern philosophy, like we were talking about earlier of, you know, the, the cracks are where the light shines in. And, and that's kind of the idea behind guardian angels as well as they know you, they know your soul, they know your energy, and they know why you decided to come to this planet at this time in this body, in this human form. And they're here to keep you on that track. Because even when we have that kind of spiritual amnesia that comes with being in the human condition, we have already at a soul level had this understanding of, of the general overarching idea of what our life is going to bring us. And so our guardian angels, our spirit guides are there to help facilitate that journey. They're not here, you know, that, that guardian angel didn't push him into the machinery out of, out of spite or out of an unnecessary action. It was something that needed to unfold. And I think sometimes that's the hardest thing to wrap our, our minds around is this idea that even when guardian angels are acting for our greatest and highest good, it can result in what to our mind seems like pain or trauma or harm, because in the long run, it helps us grow. It, it breaks us open so that that light and that energy and that expansion can come in. And so spirit guides and guardian angels are, I think, really interesting because depending on 
who, who yours is and how they connect, you can have some pretty snippy guardians. I want to say like, I know, I know my primary power guide is, is very blunt and very direct and very matter of fact. And it's not because she's rude or, um, inconsiderate or anything like that, but it's because that she knows that in order to get through to me, in order for the messages to be received fully, she has to have that matter of fact, very blunt nature. And so sometimes you'll hear um, our students, especially will come back from a, a journey if they're in one of our journey courses and they'll be like, my guide said this, or my guardian angel did this. And, and it's like, no, that's, that's because they know you. They know you better than you know you, and they're able to kind of reach you in the way that you need to be reached. So they have this, I want to say like a tough love kind of persona. And that doesn't mean that they're always going to have that kind of abrasive appearance. They, they do have those moments of love and light and support, but at the end of the day, their ultimate mission and their ultimate purpose is to help guide you down that path and is to help you remember the truth of who you are and why you're here. And and that's not necessarily always pretty. And, you know, I also find that oftentimes the personality of your, your guides that show up, they're reflective of something that you need to work on. So when I first met my guide, he was a freaking comedian. He was so funny because I grew up Catholic and Catholic and spirituality meant that you needed to be stoic, that you needed to, you know, endure and therefore become, you know, religiously spiritual and all of these things. And so it was very like, how, how many hours can you suffer through to have this enlightenment? Like that's Catholicism in a nutshell, when it comes to like, their perception of things. And so my spirit guide showed up when I first met him, he was hilarious. He was a complete jokester. He would play tricks on me and it was all to make me laugh his job and purpose. And to help me break out of this conditioned belief that to be spiritual, you had to be stoic and like suffer. And so as soon as I, I mean, and he brought me to classes like I remember maybe it was like 15 years ago. Maybe it was even longer ago than that. I was, I felt really guided to take this Kunlun class. Has anyone ever heard of Kunlun? Like, I don't even know. I've never even heard of it since, but basically it was a meditation class where you held your hands in these different mantras in front of your heart chakra and you lifted your heels up off of the floor. So only that your toes would touch and it would bring up all of these emotions. And so people would be, and you would do it in a circle and your eyes would be closed. And then all of a sudden the whole room would be hysterically laughing. And then five minutes later, everyone is sobbing and crying. And then, you know, like you would just roll through these giant big emotions. And I felt like that class, like my guardian spirit, guardian, guardian angel, he really brought me to this experience because it was like, look, it can look any way it's supposed to like emotions are emotions. Just feel them. Like laugh if you want to laugh, let it go. Like, don't be so rigid. And it was phenomenal. And so the person who taught the class became a good friend. And I was like, I learned that to be spiritual, you don't have to be religious or stoic. And it was a huge life lesson for me. So it doesn't have to look like it, it is all about what is according to your soul agreement that they're going to work on. So my soul agreement was to break out of that so I could do this now, right? Like I couldn't do this work that I do now if I didn't believe that fun and play could be spiritual, right? Right, okay. So 
that was my big aha moment. Fun and play can also be spiritual. Yeah. And I think too, what something I kind of want to put in here is for me, at least, I think there is a bit of a difference between your spirit guide and your guardian angel. And I don't know if that's kind of universal, but I know that in my own practice and and with some of our students, there's for me, what I really think of is your primary guide is really that one who's there to offer you insight and wisdom and kind of guide you through with, um, I don't want to say hints, but they're more knowledge and cognitive based. They're there to give you that wisdom and understanding to kind of guide your path. Whereas guardian angels are a little bit more physical. They're a little more, let's move you somewhere. Let's get you going. Let's pull you to safety. Let's, let's have you be doing something that's going to support your journey. And so for me, that that spirit guide is a little more thought-based and a little more on the wisdom side of giving you insights in where your path is going and where you need to go in order to fulfill why you came here. Whereas guardian angels are a little bit more, let's move you, let's make you do something, let's show you things. They're a little more physical. And so I think for me, Guardian our um, spirit guides are are very much that like crown chakra, very airy, divine light energy. And then your power animals, like we talked about earlier, are that root chakra, denser energy. And for me, those guardian angels kind of sit somewhere in the middle. They're like the bridge between the two of they have that physicality and that movement and sometimes symbolism orientation, like a power animal, but they also have that divine connection and mission to keep you going on your soul path, like a spirit guide. So they're kind of that midway, at least in in mine, I would love to hear what you think, Christine. So I really find that for myself, that sometimes we have these also, um, you have your soul families, like your soul groups that you, you are born into and you come in with and you have soul agreements that are, are um, combined with theirs. Like you're influencing them, they're influencing you uh, to help you achieve these soul agreements that we've, we've agreed to before we came in. Well, a lot of my spirit team, I would say I have a, a team of four. It's like we've had past lives together. They're my soul group from previous lifetimes. And now they're my, they're part of my spirit team. And so it's very, it's, it's interesting because they're, they feel a little more fourth dimensional, meaning that they have more of like an earthly emotional base set that they're, um, they remember what it was like to be in lifetimes with me before. Like I have memories, at least two specifically that I can remember where they were, I was an Oracle and they were my, my guards. They were my priests and servants. And then I've had other, where it was more of like, we were working on, I want to say like science, astrology, something during the Renaissance and, and like uh, teasing each other and like being like frat boys kind of with one another. And so like, I have these memories and now they're on my spirit team. And sometimes I still like, feel like they're playing tricks on me. I'm like, you guys, come on. <laughs> like, and so I feel like you have to kind of have this, um, once you start developing your spirit team, like, and for me, that just means that you start bringing more and more different spirit guides to the table, whether they're power animals, whether they're plant allies, whether they're guardian angels, whether they're your spirit guide, who is a teacher, like that their purpose is to teach you. 
Um, so I, I have a Reiki guide who helps me teach Reiki. I have a spirit, like a sensei teacher, who's more of like a meditative teacher. Um, I have some celestial guides, meaning they're not of earth. They're, they're celestial. They're from the cosmos and they're on my spirit, my spirit team. And so you eventually become to have a collection. And so then when you come to your table, like for me, I feel like I'm sitting at this round table, kind of like, you know, the round table of the nights or something. And I'm like, okay, I'm here. What do we need to discuss? And there's like a board meeting. Like, I don't know how many board meetings I've had, but they all have their specialty and they all have their wisdom and they all have their own angle and perception of what's going on and what would best help you. Right. Yeah. And so when you can have that spirit team, you can go to the table and go and present your, your struggle and have all these different angles to look at. Yeah. And I think too, in that it's so important to understand that there's not, there is no limit to the number of members you can have on your spirit team. Because when we talk about a spirit team, what we're really talking about is a being in the spiritual realm who has an affinity for your energy in some way, whether that affinity is to teach you, whether that affinity is to strengthen you, to protect you, to support you, to help you, whatever it might be. We're just talking about a being in the spiritual realm that has an affinity for your energy. And because we are all at the end of the day in our very base form from the same energy, there is an infinite number of guides, animals, guardian angels, celestial beings, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, that you add into your team. But when you start connecting with them, you're most likely to encounter your primary power animal, your guardian angel, or your primary spirit guide first, because they have the strongest affinity. They've been with you for the longest. They have the most powerful presence. And so when we talk about kind of gathering these different members of your spirit team, it's not that they weren't ever there. It's just about opening your awareness to knowing that they are there. And so you can start out with one or two, with just your primary spirit guide and your primary power animal. And as you start connecting with them, as you start opening up to that idea and exploring some of the techniques that you can use to connect with your spirit team, more and more and more will show up as you allow yourself to be open and as you set the intention to meet them. So if you have, you know, um, some people are taught this in their Reiki training, how to meet their Reiki guide, or Christine and I were just talking about the other day, how everyone should, should meet their business guide. Everybody has a business or a treasurer guide, like these kinds of things that our minds think there's a limit to that. You just have your one primary spirit guide, your one primary power animal, your guardian angel, and then you're done. But that's, those are just the three that have that strongest affinity, that have that most substantial part of your spirit team. But then there are infinite others who are there to help you with very specific details. They have their specific specialties, like Christine said. And so it's about being open to the idea that they're there and also setting that intention to be aware of them so that as you continue down that path, that circle and, and board meeting grows and grows and grows with members because you're starting to enrich your team and you're starting to build those connections. Right. Exactly. And, and that doesn't mean that like, just because let's say I work with Archangel Uriel regularly, 
just because he shows up when I need him doesn't mean he's part of my spirit team. He's like, he's the guest speaker who comes to show up for the board meeting when I need him. (laughs) Right. And so um, keep that in mind too. Like the archangels are great to work with. It doesn't limit you once again, that you can only work with the people who you've connected on your spirit team. Like if you want to connect with Archangel Metatron, or if that's Archangel Raphael or whoever you feel called to call on, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but it also means that they might not be in your inner circle and know your energy and know what's going to best necessarily support you. And so I'm, I'm all, I'm all about it. Obviously (laughs) I love, I love teaching this. I love helping people discover what their power animal is, who their primary guide is. And there's, um, there's a re like, there's certain steps that you really need to take to help open up your mind to the possibility of meeting these, these guides, these support systems. And so that's why it's not something like, yeah, you can go back in the podcast and find the meet your power animal. And it can be absolutely powerful, but at the same time, it's even more powerful to do it without a guide, without a guided visualization to guide you to that. And so when we can learn how to do these things solo, like on our own, how to find your, your power animal, how to find your teacher guide, how to find your guardian angel. And when you do and start having these two-way open dialogue conversations, that one shit gets magical in my mind. Like that's when things really start to like the sparks spark flying, you know, like, um, because you no longer need, uh, an assistance, you no longer need a tool. Like, people have asked me like, why don't I read tarot? I'm like, why would I read tarot when I can just talk to them? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, it's not to say that I don't like tarot. It's just that I don't need it when I can just go ask directly. Um, so it's just one thing that I don't need. I can just go directly to. And so this is, this is the cool thing is that we all have the capacity to learn this. And I truly believe that it might not work on the first try. It might not work on the second try and it might not even work on the third try, but I know. And like, I know, like, I know, like I've taught many a students and usually by the fourth, fifth or sixth session, things start to click to the point where they're like, I get it. Now my brain is start making those neuron neurological synapses to like fire when it's supposed to fire. My visual vortex is working with my third eye. My visual cortex is working with my heart chakra so that I am interpreting the information that I'm seeing and the way that I need to see it and understand. And so like there's work to do to get to this point where you're just sitting at the boardroom table and having conversations with all of your guides. Right, right. It's not like you're just going to start out and you're going to open the door and there they all are. There are these layers. And I think one of the most common things we hear, and I think somebody's actually said it previously, is is this idea of I can feel my spirit guides. I know they're there. Sometimes I can hear them, but I can't see them. I don't know who they are. I don't know what they look like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of times I think we beat ourselves up for that of like, I know they're there. Why can't, what am I doing wrong that I'm not strongly connected to them? And I think it's about understanding that there are so many layers that go into meeting your spirit team, even just your primary spirit guide. Because first of all, there's, there's this idea that again, they have this really strong affinity for your energy. They know you and they know when you're going to be ready to meet them. 
So they won't show themselves to you until they know you're ready. So it may not even be anything that you're doing. It may just be that now's not the time. And they just want you to know that they're there, but it's not the time for you to see them. That was how my primary spirit guide was. I, I knew mine was there for two years and I couldn't see her. And then I had this big spiritual awakening and, and I started doing shamanic journeys and things like this. And one day she was like, okay, you're ready. And I got to see her. And, and ever since then, we've had this really deep connection, but there was a big lesson for me there in that sometimes you're just not ready and that's okay. And then on top of that, there's this idea of, do you have these neural connections? Are you able to open up your subconscious mind to be able to perceive them? Are you able to connect this, this visual cortex to your third eye and your heart so that you can see these images? Have you had the practice and the foundation and the ability to open up to your clear skill, whatever it is, whether it's clairvoyance, clairsentience, claircognizance, whatever your spiritual gift is, have you figured out how to utilize that so that you can connect with them so that you know when you've connected with them? Have you developed trust in yourself and your intuition to know when what you're feeling is truly that connection when it's just your mind making things up? Like there are just so many different layers that go into meeting your spirit guide. And so it's not just a one and done kind of take a deep breath and pop. There they are. It's not like a fairy godmother in Cinderella, which I think a lot of people want it to be that they'll just be sitting, having an emotional moment and their spirit guide will show up. Sometimes it is that way, but you have to have had that foundational work in the background, whether it was intentional and actively trying to find your spirit guide or unintentional. And it was just the way that your life took you down that path. But there are so many layers to meeting them that it's important to have that foundational work and know that if you're not quite seeing them yet, that's okay. It just means that you're, you're still walking on that path and it's, it's coming, but just now's not quite the time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I feel like too, we have to get to the root of our spiritual gifts. What is our innate spiritual gift? How can we, um, leverage that spiritual gift. So oftentimes I'll have students come to shamanic journey trainings and they're like, well, I don't see things. And I'm like, okay, well, do you feel things? Do you hear things? Like what, what is your, what feels strongest to you? And let's leverage that. And because oftentimes people think that shamanic journey work should automatically be like a movie screen where they see everything, they hear everything, and it triggers an emotion that they feel. And I'm like, yeah, if only it was that easy. Like I still don't see full on movie screens and I've been doing this for almost 15 years. And so it really comes down to like, what is your primary Claire and how can we strengthen that to help you interpret what's going on? So like, I really feel like Claire sentience, who's an empath in the room, right? Like it's that and it's the, it's that empathy. Like I can feel into someone else's energy, but I can do the same with my shamanic journeys. I can sense where someone is next to me. I can feel the emotions I can, you know? And so I, I lean into that. And then eventually what took on was like, I could hear messages and I could see visuals and it wasn't the full on movie screen where with all of the details, like last night I did a journey um, for one of our students, we did a, a group practice. So everyone in our shamanic journey class um, all journeyed for one person. And this is something that is super fun um, so that we can all see on behalf of the one person who's, who's the client in the middle. And so, and I saw 
um, a bear and it was like standing up on its hind legs and it, and it went down and it did it like three times. And the visual of that and the feeling into that, that was a message. It didn't look at me and say, the client needs to practice this stance. It showed me, you know, and so it's so much of breaking out of what our logical, rational brains think it's supposed to be and supposed to look like. And as soon as we invite spirit to communicate through our imagination, that's the trick. So how easy is it for you to imagine things? How easy it is for you to one, tune in and come into your centered space and then allow spirit to communicate through your imagination. So if you have a hard time imagining what life would be like sitting on a beach and sipping, you know, pina coladas and like watching your kids play on the beach, like if you can't visually just envision that shamanic journey work is going to be, it could be difficult for you because then you have to develop that imagining skill as well. But so much when people get started, they were like, oh yeah, I didn't really get much. I just, you know, they told me this. And I'm like, well, well, do you see anything? Well, well, yeah, I saw this and I saw this and they're dismissive of it, you know? And so we have to retrain our students to go, boys, slow down. Like that's all symbolic. It's all symbolic. Like what color was it? What shape was it? How did it feel? And so we kind of have to break it all down because it's like, as adult humans, we're trained to like, if it wasn't direct and rational, it, it's, it can't be anything. Right. 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 And, and in that too, it, there's this idea of, it's almost like relearning a language. You're, you're learning a new spiritual language. And just because you don't have, like, let's say that you're very much clairaudient and you hear things, but you're not so much clairvoyant and that side of things isn't as developed. It doesn't mean that you're never going to see things. Everybody has the ability to access every single one of the clairs. It's just that we have one or maybe even two that are stronger than the others. And so when we start developing those, the other ones will also develop because we're opening ourselves up and we're strengthening that awareness. It's like a muscle or like learning a new language. The more you do it, the bigger your vocabulary is going to get. And it's the same way with your spiritual gifts. And so it's not that, you know, if you aren't clairvoyant, you can't shamanic journey. That's not at all what we're saying. It's it's this idea of you have to learn the language. You have to be willing to put in that time and that practice to be able to develop that skill, knowing that as you lean into whichever of your clairs is the strongest, the others will kind of follow and open and awaken as well. But you have to take those first steps to lean into who you are and where you are in your practice and what comes naturally to you so that you can build from a really strong foundation. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, I have been teaching shamanic journey work now for a long time. I want to say at least five years, like before the pandemic I was teaching, but before that I was hosting shamanic circles for the previous 10, five, 10 to that. Um, and I, I love doing it in person. I mean, it was great. But I also find that when people are taking a Zoom class with me, whether it's our our, uh, shamanic Reiki practitioner training, where you're getting all of the shamanic tools um, to be a full Reiki shamanic practitioner, or you're doing our upcoming shamanic journey class, um, you're really in the comfort of your own home and your your own space and learning how 
to create a safe, sacred space in your own house that you can tune in. And so you're not having to worry about, well, what does someone else think about me or how do I smell? Okay. Or whatever it is, like whatever it is, like there's those distractions. And so you get to be control of your own personal space. And on top of that, you really learn what works for you because when it's in a a classroom, I might have it um, dark and um, things set up a certain way. But when you're in your own home, it's like, no, I like to have this type of music and I want this type of cloth over my eyes. And I want to have this essential oil in the background. Like you get to control your space. So I do find that um, I haven't had anyone I wasn't able to teach like whether in person or online, as long as they stuck around for at least six sessions, they showed up for six calls consecutively. That's the golden ticket. But when like our upcoming class for shamanic journey training, it's 10 weeks because I don't want to just get you to the point of proficiency. I want to get you to the point of excellence. I want to get you to the point where you're feeling comfortable and confident with your intuition, with your skills that you learn so that you continue on, on your own. So it's not like you do the 10 weeks and then we close the book and you're done. It's like, ah, I've got three, maybe four guides around my spirit team table. And now I'm just, I have the skills and the tools to continue to develop that and to continue to do the work. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like teaching you to be your own practitioner, which I love about shamanic journeying because it's, it's a skill that once you master it, it's like riding a bike, you never forget, but then you forever and always have 24 seven access to your guides, to your power animals and to however many other members you want to invite in. And so it's a tool that it's like the gift that keeps on giving You just, once, once you can journey, it opens up a whole new way of approaching your spirituality, approaching your practice, gathering information, gathering support, all of these things. And so it's really a beautiful thing because not only are you able to connect with your spirit team and build those relationships, but now you've also opened this door to a whole new experience and a whole new way of being, which is really amazing. Yes. Yeah. So if you guys are interested in learning, how do I create my spirit team? How do I connect with my power animals and my guides and my guardian angel and really, um, really learn how to connect and develop relationships. That's what I'm all about. Let's, let's not just meet them one and done. Let's build a relationship so that when you are struggling, when you are facing a fear, when you are going through a hard time, it's nothing more than tuning in for 15 to 25 minutes and going, I'm struggling right now. How, how can I, how can you support me? What, what's, how am I going to know what's going to come up on my next path? Like, which way do I go? You'll have the tools to meet your guides, to, to answer your own, um, spiritual questions that have are nagging at you, right? Like I think so many of us, um, you know, beat ourselves up going, why is this happening to me? And then it's like, oh, but if you have this tool, then, then it's nothing more like, okay, we just actually need to calm down, tune in, connect and receive the support that we need. So it's really profound. It's, it's quite literally changed my, my spiritual path. Like I would not be sitting here where I am today had I not done this work. And so we are going to be offering a 10 week training starting next week, May 26. We're going to have calls on Thursday evenings in the U S time zone. And then we are, um, we're going to go 
10 weeks and we're going to get you through five modules of learning and three shamanic workbooks. And it's going to include some um, shamanic guided meditations to do in between to get you to the point where you're comfortable to, to solo journey all on your own outside of class as well. So I'm really looking forward to this class. We've got a beautiful handful of students already signed up, but we would love to have another handful of students to sign up. So if that is of interest, we're going to go through um, all the way till the end of July. So definitely reach out. Um, we'll post some information um, if you are interested and always feel free to D- DM me or Izzy. We're going to both going to be um, teachers in that class. Um, and we'll have a couple bonus calls as well. So um, I'm really looking forward to this offering. It's one of my favorite things to teach for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think once, once you start opening up to that and you start learning how to shamanic journey, it's just, it's incredible how even from day one, you know, people will say, well, I didn't get anything. And you're like, but did, but did you really? And suddenly as you dive into it, you have this whole wealth of information from a five minute, 10 minute, 15 minute journey. And so it's really like, as soon as you dip your toe in the water, this whole new world opens up and it's just a beautiful way of approaching your spirituality, approaching your practice, meeting your guides, and then having access to truly 24 seven support and answers to any question you might want to ask. So it's, a joy truly to be able to walk students through that process of kind of discovering this, this power and this ability that they have in themselves. So if you guys want to join us, we would love, love, love to have you. Um, we'll put the link in the show notes. If you're listening to this podcast, um, and in the, in the chat for this and, and yeah, we would love to have you guys join us. Enrollment closes May 26th. Absolutely. And know that too, that You don't need to be a Reiki practitioner. You don't need to have previous experience in shamanic work. You can come as you are and we'll guide you through it. So if you've had 20 years experience of like Reiki or shamanic stuff, but you are still not uh, feeling confident with this particular skill, come to class, you know, so it really doesn't matter where you are with your spiritual background. I find that this is the one thing that really enhances your intuition and connects you with a pillar of support for your life and your spiritual journey. All right, you guys. Well, thanks everyone so much for coming to the call, coming to Coffee Conversations. I hope you enjoyed sipping your way through. And um, Izzy and I will be um, available in the group if you are interested in the shamanic journey training. If you're interested in getting individual sessions to know what it's like, like we can do a guided journey so that you can meet your spirit guide. Um, those type of things, those are always super fun to do. And know that we're here to support you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys so, so much for joining us today. I hope you have a wonderful day, evening, week, wherever you are. And yeah, we will see you next time. Reiki Cafe Radio is sponsored by Reiki Cafe University, where your Reiki dreams become reality. Join us on Instagram or Facebook at Reiki Cafe University, watch our videos on YouTube, or visit the website to learn more about our colleges of Reiki chakras and business. It's our aim to help you on your path to wellness, guiding you into confidence as you transmute your inner critic and say yes to you. We're here to help you bring your Reiki dreams into reality and your path to abundance, health, and healing unfolds from here. And love and light, Christine Renee and Izzy Wells.